This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This week, ORFM Dunedin held a series of radio podcast workshops with an amazing group of Year 13 science students as a part of the University of Otago's 2023 Science Academy. Students from isolated or underserved communities from around the country came to Dunedin for an intensive week submerged in the world of science. Make sure you catch our first steps into the world of science communication, radio and podcasts with the Science Academy podcast on 105.4 FM on Wednesday 1st February at 4pm and on demand at oar.org.nz. We will be developing a series of science podcasts on all FM Dunedin when we return to the Science Academy in July, so be sure to listen out for them later this year. If you had to choose between three subjects, maths, chemistry and anatomy, which one would you choose? Maths! Anatomy. Maths! Anatomy! Chemistry! Chemistry! Anatomy for sure. Chemistry! Yes! Hello. Today, you'll find out what science is the best out of the Science Academy. Hi, I am Chanel. I chose chemistry out of the Science Academy um, that I did, and I think chemistry is personally the best subject you can choose at the Science Academy, because I feel like it covers most of the science sciences. Like, there's nothing in Science Academy that doesn't involve chemistry. Well, I'm not 100% that's true because I think maths is the coolest subject in the world. And I'm Emma, and I've been extremely privileged to be on the Otago Science Academy this year. Um, I personally disagree. I think anatomy is better. Uh, hi, I'm Lou Jane, and um, I think anatomy is better because as soon as you enter the building, there's a museum room. Um, and when you enter, you see cadavers and the display cases that have been preserved. There's like lungs, hearts, legs, livers, and so much more. Also, for each display case, they'll also have information about the owner of the body part. If they were a female or a male, what age they died, how they died, and also like a small brief story about them. Those so get you to do hands-on activities like dissecting a deer's knee, which you use equipment like scalpel, scissors, and tweezers, which makes it easier while dissecting. Do you think anatomy will be the best subject because it's anatomy and we're humans and it's just like part of ourselves to like cut things open? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think so because I feel like as doctors, I guess you get to like... I don't know, heal people. Or like, I feel like learner doctors, like undergraduates, yeah. um, they learn on um, human bodies and then they go on to real human bodies. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's interesting. But like, maybe for some people, like not wanting to cut up people, mm. um, might want to go into like the chemistry part of things. Like you can do like um, medical research and stuff. And... Um, so we went into the chemistry building and we were really privileged to go all the way up into the advanced labs where the PhD students were, well, doing their research. And we had time to talk to them also about mostly, like, how they got into their PhDs, what they studied for their undergraduates and stuff. And the, I think the interesting thing is the different ways they all kind of got into the chemistry thing. And um, the labs were really cool. Not only did I wear a lab coat... We got to set our hands on fire. 
Oh. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, playing with hydrogen. It is safe, though. Don't try that at home. <laughs> Did it hurt? Nah, it's just you feel like a little bit of heat, and it's gone. <laughs> but that's it. And um, I feel like the, um, the head chemist, I think his name is Dave. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he was really nice, and he kind of – it's not like – he did. He talked to us in like a professor manner. He kind of talked to us on our level and kind of explained things. So, mm. yeah. Well, I don't know about all that. I mean, it's all cool to memorize the periodic table or cut up people's bodies, <laughs> but why would you do that when you can do math? <laughs> I mean, it's all around us. For instance, what we learned at the Science Academy was that in 1882, something was invented called the one-time pad, and this created an unbreakable code. So you might have heard that any supercomputer can break any code. Well, not this code, completely unbreakable. The Russian KGB even used it to send their secret messages. It basically worked by using dividing with a remainder, and every letter in the alphabet was assigned a number, and then some equations were done in order to turn those numbers into different numbers. So even if you did manage to break the code, you would then have to go back through the equations, and you wouldn't be able to work out what was what due to the um, way the maths was done which means that there's infinite probabilities. So, yes, you could work out the code was hello, which might be correct, but you could also work out it was good. So, basically, because of the infinite probabilities, no one could ever break it, which is amazing, and why maths is just so much better. So people can use maths to go into, like, data sciences or... Yeah. So. Yeah. So basically maths is all around us. Like the statistics, it's like how we predict the future. Sure, you can do all your little oracle stuff or whatever, <laughs> but maths will give you solid evidence of the way the future is going based on patterns and statistics. And it's just so cool. Yeah. But I personally think that you should decide for yourself. Mm. The listener should decide for themselves whether or not which one is the best and suits them the best because I feel like we all have different interests and where we want to go. So. But it's maths. <laughs> <laughs> you light your hands on fire. <laughs> you cut human bodies. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening and enjoy your day. Bye. OARFM Dunedin Voices Dunedin Stories. Have you ever heard of a bird with a three-metre wingspan? After listening to this podcast, you'll be booking a boat trip to see this special bird. The Northern Royal Albatross is the biggest seabird in the world. These birds spend 85% of their lives at sea. After flying an estimated 190,000 kilometres a year, they come to Dunedin every breeding season to mate and lay eggs. The first recorded albatross egg laid at Tidal Heads was recorded in 1920. The residents ate it before it could cat hatch. Over the next 15 years, an egg was laid every season, but was destroyed either by animals or people. The first egg hatched in 1935, but unfortunately was killed by a dog. In 1937, a local school teacher set up a campsite to guard newly laid eggs. From this campsite, the first albatross from Tairoa Head flew out to sea. The Northern Royal Albatross are the largest seabird and belong to the albatross family. They are considered endangered as they are only found and breed in a very small area. The Māori name for Northern Royal Albatross is Tauroa, and they hold great significance to many iwi. 
Taranaki iwi wear their feathers to show loyalty to Parihaka prophet Te Fiti Oromo Mai, who protested against the confiscation of the land by colonizers. Here in Dunedin, Tidal Head holds the nesting grounds for 30 albatross pairs, and with their numbers increasing every year. The sanctuary also attracts a large number of tourists, bringing in 60,000 visitors a year, helping to create an economic boost for Dunedin. Slow reproduction rates, changes in habitat and climate, and some fishing practices make the albatross vulnerable. In tidal heads, the summer ground temperatures can reach 50 degrees. This is very unideal for northern royal albatross as they are adapted to live in subantarctic conditions. Because of this, both chicks and adult birds have died from heat exhaustion in the past. Those at Tyrdor Head have installed a sprinkler system to cool albatross in the summertime. They also incubate the albatross eggs to protect them from the heat to ensure the highest chance of survival. Once the chicks have hatched, they're given supplementary food to help them thrive. As a result of these efforts, the Northern Royal Albatross population has slowly and will continuously grow in size. The future of this special species of birds is protected for generations of Dunedin residents and visitors to observe and enjoy. Alright, we hope you guys enjoyed learning about the Northern Royal Albatross. You were listening to Amelia and Molly. And we hope you took something away from this podcast and learnt something new. Bye. Bye. Thanks, New Zealand On Air. You're awesome. Have you been to Dunedin? Because I haven't. I have, actually. I'm from South Canterbury, so I come here occasionally. So where are you from then? I'm from Whangarei, which is like North Island, kind of towards the top, I suppose. Right. So, yeah. Both of us are down here at the Science Academy at Otago University this week. Um, and we're just going to talk to you about our projects. Yeah, um, the one that we've done together is the Anatomy Project up at the Anatomy Building. Go- yeah, so pretty much uh, we for the first day we did a bunch of overview on the knee and its structures in the Anatomy Museum, which was a very cool experience because they have lots of different... Um, human body structures that we've never seen before. Yeah, and we get to, like, unlike being in, like, a normal museum, we got to actually go around and touch a lot of the uh, stuff that was on display, which is really, really interesting. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we got to see, like, a a real diagram of a knee, but in physical form, obviously. And we did lots of things about learning about the different ligaments in your knee that make um, it strong, because anatomy is the structure of things. Yeah, and like the knee is such like a, a crucial part of uh, being a human to walk around and stuff like that. So it's quite good to learn about. Yeah, we did um, a practical where we had to make a knee out of wood blocks, screws, and pipes. Yeah, we had a lot of different materials to make the ligaments because your ligaments are quite strong, but they need to be like a little bit able to move, but not really. They've got to be really, really strong. Yeah. And uh, that definitely segued into our second day, which was actually dissecting a knee, a deer's knee. Which I thought, honestly, was the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, getting to get in there and just, like, chop it up and see all, like, the like the different things in your knee. And obviously, like, for me, I think it was really cool because I've had knee surgery. I tore my meniscus and just, like, getting in there and be able to see, like, 
what was wrong with my knee and like yeah. just yeah. get in there. Uh, yeah, for me, I've also had a knee injury. I did my ACL playing rugby last year. So opposite to Avi, I was a little bit uh, confronted by this structure because Adia's knee is very similar to um, a human knee, which is why we were dissecting it in the first place. Um, but it just felt a little bit weird, obviously, to see stuff like the ACL and being like, I snapped that. That's crazy. Um but I think after a little while, just it just took a little while to warm up, I guess. Yeah. I got straight into it and I loved dissecting stuff. It was fun. Yeah, it was also like a super safe like environment and all like the people there were super lovely. And if mm. at any time you felt like you needed to leave the building for a bit, you were able to and stuff like that. Yeah, it was very um, walk through, lots of one-on-one, which was uh, very special to me, I think, having um, such a small class. Yeah, and like all the people there were very knowledgeable on what they were talking yes. about and just really enjoyed it, so it's quite good. Yeah, so overall I think it was a very unique opportunity that we wouldn't be able to do at um, our high schools. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, and I think because we're year 13s this year, it's quite a good taster for uni. I think we're both into medicine. Yeah, yeah, the house size is really interesting for me. Yeah, I think there is a couple anatomy papers that I uh, would have to do. So knowing these professors and teachers before is, I think, quite good. Yeah, and also, like, if you get to dissect, like, a knee or you get to other dissections, it's good to already have, like, maybe a little bit of knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd definitely recommend it. Like, if you're into anatomy, this is definitely the place to go. Yeah. Yeah, and so we were super stoked to have this experience down here at the university and it was like, really interesting and to find something that was like really cool and like just stuff that we enjoy. Just I hope that everyone else can like get these experiences that are really cool and find what they're interested in. Yeah, so um thank you for listening. So we hope you've been inspired or maybe uh have an idea. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. <laughs>
and Hagen-Poselius's equation for viscosity corrections. We found that the calculated rectal pressure is larger than the estimation in the previous work. Wow, so that's crazy. Penguins can poo a great distance, right? Right. Their explosive poo can hit their zookeepers. Knowing about this, how far they can poo is important so keepers don't get hit. So next time, I'm going to be at the zoo to watch that 1.34 meters projectile poo. Thank you, Tipu, for sharing that information. I never thought of penguins that way. Well, it's an interesting world, is the least I could say. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.